0: Vulcan hello to everyone listening. Welcome to the TV Star Trek Discovery Podcast, which doesn't have a name yet, but I'm sure at some point it will have some kind of catchy discovery name. I am Scott McNulty, and I am joined by two fellow Star Trek fans. Alien Sims, thanks for joining us.
1: I am so excited to be (laughs) discussing the premiere.
0: As am I. And... It wouldn't be a Star Trek podcast without Mr. Jason Snell.
1: A
2: Vulcan hello to you, too, Scott. The Vulcan hello, which is, which
0: is apparently a punch in the face. <laughs> I was going to make that same exact joke.
2: <laughs> the
0: old... He gave me the old Vulcan hello. <laughs> it makes me wonder what a Vulcan goodbye is. Uh. Uh, a you don't want to know. Maybe? <laughs> you don't want to know. <laughs> we can't. This is a family podcast. Yeah, we can't uh-huh. talk about the Vulcan goodbyes. But first, I <laughs> want to talk about the important things. New Star Trek. OMG, so exciting! Uh, but there are a couple things we got to talk about before we even get into it. Uh, the opening credits, uh, two parts. The theme. And the, uh, the, I guess it's an animation, uh, that they, they, well, I guess it's always an animation because, uh, it's always in space. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> this one's, ver- this is different than, uh, previous Star Trek outings. Uh, so I wanted to get your opinions on it. Aileen, I know you, 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 uh,
1: <laughs> s- tweeted, or, tweeted or in Slack feels. you gave,
0: yeah. So let's, uh, tell me, tell us uh, about your feels.
1: So I watched it because we're watching this through CBS All Access, and when we were setting everything up and making sure that we'd be able to start as soon as it was available, <laughs> um, Justin noticed, my husband noticed that we could watch the title sequence and he was like you want to watch it and i was like yeah I want to watch it so we sat down and watched it in isolation and i wasn't really <laughs> super on board with it uh mm-hmm. i kind of had enterprise feels but i still haven't identified why i was thinking this feels a little enterprisey to me um i think it's i don't know m- maps and numbers and and stuff but uh watching it with you know, at, at the beginning of the show or, you know, after the cold open for the show, I liked it a lot more, but I, I still had those moments where I was like, are they building an Iron Man suit? Like what, what is <laughs> happening here? Uh, and oh yes, math and science, like math and science are very, very <laughs> emphasized in that instead of like it's, it felt kind of like a hammer to the head, you know, like no really science we're here for science. So, uh, but it's fine. And then, you know, when those, when the do 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 plays, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. So just, just the same as with star Wars, you know, when you hear, you hear that phrase from the song and you're like, yes, this is what I'm here for. I had that same experience when I watched discovery. So I'm I'm okay with it. Not in love with That's it, but I'm okay with it.
0: A roller coaster of emotion. It sounds it, like yes,
1: wow. yes.
0: <laughs> Jason, do you have similar uh, strong feelings? I, Dissimilar strong feelings. I get no what
2: saying about the Enterprise open because it is similar in the sense that it does have that kind of like you know uh, maps and and lines and things. Um, I kind of I, I well, first off. I think it's very hard to judge uh, a series opening credits the first time you see it, because mm-hmm. in some ways, you know, it's how does it play every week? Does it make you excited to watch the next episode? Or, or do you roll your eyes and, and press skip intro if it's on Netflix? Um, and I don't know where this fits in. I think having like the the Vulcan hand gesture and the the communicator and the phaser and things like that is an interesting approach that they didn't just want um, it to be, you know, a long, slow spaceship flyby. Like every other Star Trek episode or Star Trek series since the original, um, mm-hmm. I did. Uh, there are a few moments in it that I, I like. That there's a little, um, a little starship flying across all of these drawings and it's casting a little shadow. It's almost like a Saul Bass kind of uh, like opening title uh, flourish there. I thought that was really cool. So there are moments of it that I think are amazing and then other ones where I, you know, I don't know. We're also living in an era where long title sequences don't happen so much anymore. Um, but I thought it was fine. We'll see how it wears. The theme song, I gotta I gotta admit, as much as it's nice that they've got the, um, the hints of the alexander courage uh music at the beginning and the end um i have i mean my opinion i i I was gonna say i have no opinion but i guess i do have an opinion which is that i i have no opinion about the theme song i I felt it was (laughs) i felt it was kind of boring
0: but um serviceable yeah you
2: know it was not rousing it was it was just there
0: it yeah i think that i i like the the echoes of the the original series um theme but uh i i don't think i could uh hum the rest of it right now because i actually cannot think of how it goes so no <laughs> uh, i could certainly say that i will say when i was watching the 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 opening credits there uh the thing that popped into my mind immediately was james bond title sequence Oh, uh, which i don't yep. know why they would go for that feel but uh, why not you know it's a new star trek who knows? Uh, we'll
2: see. It's a little bit. The other, the other thing to note about the opening titles is that in a break with Star Trek tradition, although it's very much in fitting in keeping with modern um, television, especially on cable, or on uh, especially premium cable, is the writer and director credits are integrated into the opening titles for the episode, and there's no episode title card. So unlike every other Star Trek series ever, there's no, like, the Vulcan hello in quotes at the beginning of the first scene after the titles, which is, again, very modern. The shows don't do titles on screen anymore, but it's a first for Star Trek.
0: Well spotted, Mm. Jason. I didn't even notice that. Uh now that, now that we've talked about the important things the opening credits and the theme song uh because these I am just glad a there are no words to the theme song thankfully. Not yet. Um, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. We'll see <laughs> That's time. It's true it could be. I've watched the second episode. It could be completely different. Um, it could just be like a Rod Stewart song. Um I wanted to get kind of your your first impressions uh overall of the show I then we could talk about kind of in particular. and We can go chronologically or talk about characters, however we want to do it. But uh, Jason, what did you think of this, just
2: I guess, right I, off the bat? I guess we should specify, too, for people who are wondering. I mean, th- this episode will be labeled properly, but what we've decided to do is do an episode about oh. episode one, which aired on CBS. So, Correct. We, we, not only are we not going to talk about episode two until our next episode of this podcast, we haven't seen haven't it. Seen we actually it. stopped at the climactic conclusion to episode one to do a podcast, because that's how much we love our listeners, right, <laughs> and to give you the That's freedom true. to listen to this episode without having seen episode two, if you're that kind of a person, and also I think to record our feelings going in after after one episode. Um, my yes. general feelings: I thought it was great. I thought it was a really good episode. I thought it was. Um, I think it's got some things that are worth criticizing about it, but I thought it looked beautiful. I thought it was truly. Star Trek it felt like Star Trek and not just sort of like trappings of Star Trek but like a lot of the issues um, do you know what is Starfleet's role um, the, you know do we fire first because it's good strategically or do we not um, what we've got a character here with ties to Vulcan and an appearance with Sarek that we can talk about a little bit Um we've got uh we've got the uh, the two characters uh, in the first scene talking about sort of like a career path for number one which is very star trek especially if you think about the pa- picard Riker relationship right which is like why are mm-hmm. you still here after all this time um and so sort of saying gently like it maybe it's time for you to get uh you know the next the next job and be become a captain somewhere i just and and i will i will mention it's also uh whoever has the start had downloaded the start trek sound effects pack um, they uh they used it they put it to use if if you mm-hmm. watch that first episode you get all the good star trek sound effects at some point uh which i which made me happy that they they you know the the doors what sound do the doors make you know what sound the doors make how does red alert sound like you know what it sounds you know like it. what is yes. that thing on the bridge that goes bing Ping. You know it's there. Whatever it
0: is. So that's all in there. Did somebody turned that off. Uh yes, it was I think that's to help settle the nerd's nerves. Mm-hmm. Come on, we know it's Star Trek. It sounds settle like Star nerds. Trek. It'll it'll be okay. Uh Ailey, what what did you think? Uh, first impressions.
1: It felt Star Trekky to me. Um and maybe it was because of that fan service from the Star Trek found- sound pack, but it felt <laughs> it felt like a modern take on Star Trek, which I I really appreciated. Um one of the things I really noticed as Jason pointed out was that that Picard Riker relationship, you know, number 1. Uh it's been 7 years, why are you still here? Yeah. Uh, that very like carrying a trusting relationship, the very uh, obvious like mentorship that the captain had on on the first officer. I don't know names yet because I am bad at names, and I've watched one episode. And I'm sorry, but <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but I thought that that was you know it, it, that made it it did what it was supposed to do. I think, which is it made me feel like the people who are making this know Star Trek. And I I really think that was designed. It was very much on purpose. You know, (laughs) Aline, it's going to be okay. We watched The Next Generation. Um, yeah it's, hard. it's have... hard that
2: seven year thing it's hard not to actually say that it's like we've like there's a Star Trek Shenzhou show that we didn't get to watch but mm-hmm. that, that that has been on for seven years because like all the classic Star Trek shows of the of the 80s and 90s were like we're on for seven seasons so it's like yeah. seven years it's almost like our show is about to end you need to go on to your own show
0: it's like what she's saying at the <laughs> beginning right. and yeah. I'm just a guest star so yeah,
1: yeah I'm not and feeling good that... about the
0: Shenzhou but mm, no
1: yeah that was, that was such a like in the title i knew that she wasn't there for the whole season but seeing it on the title sequence where it's like guest starring and i'm like oh okay oh. way to give it away <laughs> uh, Who
0: knows? but
1: uh, you never know she could yeah.
0: become a full regular
1: <laughs>
2: she's not she, she could recur she could come back or they she could, could, or she they could kill her
0: off we don't know because we only watched it once. we don't know mm-hmm. we haven't watched episode um, two someone who's watched episode two will already know who's <laughs> laughing at our ignorance or they can listen to the next episode then whatever That's right. And are shocked. (laughs)
1: I have questions about the Klingons. Why are the Klingons so Ooh. shiny? Where's their hair? Uh, is this another era in Klingon <laughs> history that we don't speak of? Like what what is going on? I, I have a lot of questions about the Klingons. I'm hoping that episode two helps clear some of this up. I hope they leave that font behind after these yeah. first two the small, episodes. The
2: small caps yeah. captions it's, kill me. I they, I didn't mind to... lots and lots of talking Klingon. I know some people would like would like that trick where they, they do a couple of lines and then they just start speaking in English i didn't mind that they were speaking in klingon um but the 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 small caps captions killed me after a while i was like come on better caption style please come on yep I feel like
0: they should just uh they speak a couple of lines in Klingon and then switch to English. And then switch to English. (laughs) Alright. Exactly. That's 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 the rule. The Klingon rule. Mm. Uh I will say that I really enjoyed this episode. I feel like it annoys me whenever people have you know, before Discovery came out, there are a lot of people who were like, Well it's not really gonna be real Star Trek, and real Star Trek, of course, is whatever they think is good about Star Trek. Um and, and so I I have make no claim over what real star trek is or isn't i just feel like it felt like star trek to me and i enjoyed it um so there you go and i also let's talk about the klingons uh and then we can jump into i guess the story there's just so much to talk about i want, i don't know where to start mm. but uh, the klingons actually start the whole show which was surprising to me because i did not expect the cold open to be uh a big klingon face and there it was uh <laughs> in their newly reconfigured sure. yeah uh <laughs> So I will say, uh, I really like the new look of the Klingons. I don't know if it's just this weird dude who apparently is some kind of Klingon prophet guy who's gathering for Klingons. Yeah, Takuvma, I think is his name. I think I looked that up. Takuvma. Now I have to click the explicit tag, Jason. Tak, (laughs) tak, tak, beth uh i liked the way they looked i enjoy the fact that his ship for whatever reason is surrounded by coffins uh Uh, that's that's kind of cool he's a calus fundamentalist i
2: thought that was interesting too he's uh like because he says we have forgotten the unforgettable and i'm sitting there thinking oh 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 that's calus the unforgettable see i've got a lot of credibility and then he mentions (laughs) calus in the next line and i'm like all right well okay give it away for everybody then fine 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 but he's saying like we've forgotten our uh our past and we've got all these different Mm-hmm. Squabbling houses, and like he's 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 super into this. I mean, it really did feel like we need to connect back with our roots, and and you've got to have belief in Kalus and go back in time. So he's like gotta. preaching about Kalus fundamentalism. Make the Klingon Empire great again.
1: Mm-hmm. Which makes, which makes me wonder what is the K- the Klingon Empire like now because does it continue through like the Star Trek that, that geeks like I know where it is very, that Kalos does still play a very strong part yeah. in their culture it- or yeah. Like is this what made that happen? Uh, it or feels r- is I'm that real just st- not enough for him.
2: I'm getting a real strong feeling that that is the story we're watching. Is how did the Klingons yes. get their act together and start becoming a nemesis for the Federation? And maybe this is how that happened. And there is a line thrown away late in the episode that basically says we haven't seen them in a hundred years. They're in disarray. They're not. A- basically, they're not an issue because although they're warlike, they're you know they're they squabble amongst themselves they say something about like the Klingons are in disarray and that's not the Klingons we know. Right. So that, that to me is a sign that that's, that's lighting the lantern that this is what this story is. And this is who this guy is.
0: Yes. This is the story of how the Klingon empire got its act together. Became great again. uh, Became yeah. exactly and uh, once again discovered their love of Kalis, Uh thanks to the torchbearer and his shiny bright ship. Yeah, uh, and a weird it seems like uh, a very involved plot to get them all to come together, but I guess that's Klingons for you. I don't know. I mean,
2: I, on one level, it may be that the whole idea is basically we're going to sabotage this Federation thing and they're going to show up and investigate our thing and we're going to use it as a pretense to start a war you know basically and then Hmm. you know once the war is started, then, because that's something Sarek says later, right? Which is like, they all have something to fight for. That's how you unite a people is by giving mm-hmm. everybody something to mm-hmm. fight for a common enemy. So I, I'm definitely getting the vibes in this episode that this is totally a setup. And it's, a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's not a false flag operation necessarily, but it's a pre- <laughs> a pretext is being given so that he can have his war that will unify the Klingon empire. Yeah, I think so. Un- under his bene- yeah. benevolent oh, sure. uh,
1: leadership. Totally benevolent. Uh, mm-hmm. He seems he really knows. kind. Yeah. yeah, he
0: seems like a chill dude. <laughs> I'd have a beer with him. He gets <laughs> my vote. Yeah, sure. And I don't even drink. That's how chill he is. That, wow.
2: Uh, well, would be a <laughs> Blood wine.
0: Yes. Non-alcoholic for me. I'd like the, yeah. the O'Doul's blood wine, please. <laughs> sure. <laughs>
2: sure. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, let's just jump into what happens then. So we've got that first thing where, you know, it sets up this dude, uh, and much like Alina. Uh, Alina, I have no uh, memory of any of their names, uh, although I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry. So uh, please save your emails. Yep. Uh, and then we get the, the opening title, which we've already talked about because I have my priorities. Uh, and then we have this great, I feel once I, you know, I just... Not moments ago I just said that I have no I am not the arbiter of real Star Trek but I feel like this opening scene with um uh uh Michael and uh the captain of the Shenzhen, whose name escapes jo- me Georgiou I think Georgiou yes Georgiou? yeah uh where they're walking they're on this like desert planet which is kind of Star Treky uh, uh I I should say Star Warsy uh mm. but that they're there Sand. to help Exactly. They're there to help uh, this this alien race. Uh, it's a drought, and their eggs are going to die if they don't shoot the hole in the ground to get the water. Yeah. Uh, it just seems like right out of any—this could have been any Star Trek series— ever yeah. having this kind of, this moment and, together. And again, it feels like we're
2: dropping in on the adventures of the, you know, of Star Trek Shenzhou here with the, with, with Burnham and Georgiou and, and this adventure that they're having and they're having the conversation. I will say that the thing I didn't like about this scene is that Burnham has to do a lot of exposition that is totally oh, yes. unnatural where she's explaining, <laughs> yeah. it is like, as you know, Captain, we can't interfere <laughs> with these people and there was this meteor that ha- hit and so mm-hmm. now it, it's like, why did she just show up has Burnham been down there for a week because the <laughs> captain was like on vacation and she just came back yes. um, mm-hmm. I could head it but it's just there's that there's some heavy exposition there to explain you know general order one prime directive blah 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 but it is very Star Trek I just I did roll my eyes that's also one of the things I liked uh, it was one of the few things I disliked in this episode was that, that her initial exposition, which felt also that it was dubbed in, almost like the, you know they shot all of this and then somebody was worried that it, they wouldn't explain enough, so they just shoehorned in some exposition in, in uh, post-production oh yes but it's a nice moment right when she reveals like it's like well walk take a walk with me and
0: it's like the captain's totally got it together (laughs) she knows what she's doing oh and i i love that exchange where the captain says uh burnham what would you do if you were trapped here for 89 years and burnham says well i guess i as a you know as you know anthropologist i would talk to the natives and get them to accept me and learn about them and hope that i was rescued and what would you do captain and she says the most starfleet captain thing ever I'd escape <laughs> because you don't know, just yeah. wait. <laughs> you solve the problem.
1: <laughs> yeah. and I, I, I loved it though. And I loved that the first taste we get of the ship is, you know, two women of color solving a, a, a big problem without help. Um, and that exposition showing like, even though, you know, for those of us who know, yeah, prime directive, you can't, you know, whatever. Uh, it's still showing two intelligent women in an intelligent discourse, mm-hmm. which I think is you know so great, and I am starved for it but i really I really appreciated <laughs> that that like we had we had that moment and there were these moments of banter and and that kind of thing and um, I thought it did a, a good job in a really limited amount of time to establish their relationship because there's not a lot of time in this episode to establish a lot of relationships It's there's a lot going on so I, I kind mm-hmm. of appreciate that moment kind of in retrospect
2: and their connection is important to be established here because of what happens at the end of the episode oh yeah, yeah so yeah. We need climactic to, we need to do that but, but the, the scene right after after this is uh, I think this is where the title break is, and then they come we come back and it's and they're on the bridge of the of the Shenzhou. And um that's that that's the scene where I was like, oh boy, this is Star Trek. They got it. And and it, it yeah. also has that feeling of we're dropping in on a crew that knows themselves. And I just I love it so much where it's not just really wooden, you know we're all standing in our places barking orders, but it's like give and take. And th- this is something where mm-hmm. it, it, it feels like a very modern take on Star Trek in a way that something like the Orville, for example, like is trying to be next generation. And it, it is all kind of like everybody's in their slots here. It's like uh, Saru is who is the third in command um, is and the science officer. and the science officer is is, you know, his give and take with Burnham is so great because they're like. I mean, it's it's like classic Spock McCoy <laughs> stuff where, where he's like, I don't mm-hmm. think we should do that. And she's like, oh, come on. But we could do this and this way. And he's like, meow. Yeah. I that, I question your... And it's like there are professionals doing a job, having a conversation about what they should do with this, you know, while they're scanning and should they, you know, is it really natural phenomenon? And do you really know that for sure? Or should you actually, before you, you know, come up with a theory, maybe you should scan some more, that kind of give and take. And it's like, these these are people who know how to do their jobs and have a an established relationship and they have a give and take, but they're also kind of really comfortable around each other. And I really... It, I really thought that was great. Mm-hmm.
0: I agree. I like the moment the the, the relationship between Burnham and Saru, when Saru is uh, scanning something and she kind of pushes him out of the way yeah. so she can do <laughs> take over and do some scans. And he's like, "Well, I, as a science officer, I can give you more context than just reading off a monitor." Yeah. Uh, and then he doesn't actually do, do that, no but uh,
1: <laughs> because there is no more, they do
0: this. That's right. he's just because like, he uh,
1: like immediately <laughs> disclaims it, doesn't he? Where is like if there was more to tell you.
0: Yes, and I love the moment when uh, the captain comes out and she's like, what am I looking at? And he says, um, unidentified object." <laughs> That's good. Because it's a thing in a field and they're arguing about like, well, how do we do it? And can
2: we scan it? And can we see it? We don't really know what it is. And she's like, tell me what it is. And he's like, uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh-
0: I need to answer, but <laughs> I have no answer for you. So I'm not wrong.
1: Which I, is- did, I do wonder about the premise of his. Re- like, we were we evolved to sense uh, death, well. and I sense death coming. And I remember seeing that kind of early on, and I was like, yeah, but he's a prey. Okay.
2: It, it, see, I don't have a problem with it because what he's saying is he's just we're, I'm a prey species. Most of you are, are either both predator and prey, or you were predator, but we evolved as prey. We were always meant to be prey. And so everything I have is about flight response and sensing danger and uh i am ready to flee right now and like i, I liked that i thought that was good because he's a different kind of alien right where he's like he he seems to be his one of his character traits seems to be caution like
1: which is like maybe
2: not maybe let's not do this and everybody else is like no we're gonna do it and he's like let's do it humans are gonna get me
0: killed that's what's gonna that's happen right. now yep <laughs> Yeah. How about we think about it? How about I put a spacesuit on and just shoot towards it? That sounds good, w- would right? Would you like to
2: come with me? Maybe not.
0: <laughs> maybe he does not <laughs> want to do that. Maybe, maybe I'll stay here. <laughs>
2: But that's for, in terms of action uh, and excitement, right? To have Vernon have be like, mm-hmm. yeah, let's just, uh, I'll go out there and investigate this unidentified object in a debris field. Like, put me in a <laughs> jet suit and I'll fly on that's out That's what there. I do.
1: Yeah, It yeah. was supposed and to not, be a flyby, not a land on the thing <laughs> by. Like, what are you doing? But then she's out of uh,
2: contact man. and she's like, all right, well, this is really cool. I'm going to
0: check this out.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was really and, uh, cool. It was. When
0: she said, I'll just do a flyby, I turned to Marisa and said, it's not going to be applied <laughs> by Lori did the
2: same thing to me. It's
0: like it's not that's not going to happen. Uh, well, let's talk about the bridge because we are we're on the bridge in this scene, uh, and it is kind of you know the iconic part of any Star Trek show is the bridge, although I don't think we should get too attached to the Shenzhen's bridge. Shenzhou, uh, but yeah. Shenzhou. I, I, Shenzhou? Shenzhou, I can't say I, think, it, but I apologize to everybody.
2: Yeah, Moises taught uh, me how to say it and I've completely <laughs> lost it now. But yes, I, I don't know whether we'll see this bridge for much longer, but who knows? Maybe yeah. they'll reuse it or they'll use it. I, I don't know. I just,
1: you know. It could be standard bridge style. Just, yeah. you oh, know, yeah. drop it in. It feels,
2: it feels super Star trek right? It's got, it, mm-hmm. it, well, not uh-huh. you know, it's 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 modern like it feels modern, but it doesn't feel like the JJ Abrams Star Trek bridge quite either. Thank it's God. dark. It's darker. It's not. <laughs> it's not entirely Apple Store. That's not bad, right. It's dark. It's darker than it's, that.
0: It's. It's like uh, I'm trying to think of another store, and I can't think of anything. It's like uh, the
1: Microsoft Store. <laughs> there's more people. Too know? many
2: people the it to kiosk. be the Microsoft Store. So,
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> take that Microsoft. Uh, now let's take a moment to thank our sponsor, Microsoft. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. Mm. <laughs> please come to our store we're lonely <laughs> uh, <laughs> i liked it people as you said earlier jason people were kind of there's a lot of action i feel it's 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 uh, a busy place people are doing work it's good everybody's pushing toggles and uh it's an all it's not like hollow screens and things uh speaking well i'm skipping around now because but i am slightly annoyed that uh, now apparently everybody's a hologram mm-hmm. that you could talk to uh, yeah. whenever you want. That's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a squibble, but it annoys me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I had a moment. I got over it pretty quickly, but I had that moment where I was like, this is not canon. And then I was like, well, I guess it is now. <laughs> so what do I, you know, what am I going to do? Yeah, they're not in screens. Uh, it
2: was cool. It's cooler to have them as full body, full body holograms instead of in screens, I suppose. It is
0: cooler, but uh, it's a quibble. But anyway, that doesn't really matter. <laughs>
2: maybe, uh, maybe the fashion at the time was holograms, and then somebody, a uh, high-ranking uh, admiral who liked to wear pajamas, uh, said, no more. Uh, no more yeah. holograms. Not, yep, uh, enough with this. I'm sick of putting my... It. Up from the That's waist right. up is enough. I That's don't right. want to put on I pants, wanna, and they went back to no the No pants for me.
0: <laughs> That's right. uh, I like to think that that was Admiral Kirk that did that. Uh <laughs>
1: I uh, I also like the bridge crew like the I'm glad that we're in a point in history well our present anyway where we can have <laughs> a, a a really like alien filled crew mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, that made me really, really happy. There's like
2: a, there's like a, he looks like he's a robot Absolutely. kind of guy. Although it's mm-hmm. unclear, robot or not, I don't uh, know. It's unclear, <laughs> but it's definitely something very, very unusual character that
0: we see in a couple of yes. scenes. And it's like, and I enjoy um, when the, it's a red alert. His face turns into a red alert indicator.
1: <laughs> oh, I missed that. Oh no, that's awesome.
0: <laughs> it seems like it would be bad for him, but hey, <laughs> it's, it's it means ambient, he's alert. Uh, he is very alert uh and so this is this whole show has gotten us i I think we're like 10 minutes in uh they've discovered uh well there is a moment i like that they have some kind of you know communications beacon that's broken uh and they need to fix it and they don't know what's happened they find this kind of cloaked object although they don't know it's cloaked i guess it's what do they call it it's uh it's like a a sensory disruption but (laughs) field or something yeah Yeah, that that sounds more star trek than fuzzed out uh and so they can't scan it it's too far away they don't have a shuttle that can navigate this uh field oh let's talk about uh this it this now i'm not a special effects expert so our friend joe Steele perhaps is has watched this and is ripping his head his hair out because it looks awful but to me it looked beautiful uh the binary star system Mm -hmm. it looked fantastic to me what what do we all think of the the way it looks
1: I thought it looked this, good. Yep
2: yeah, they spent they spent a lot of money on it. I, I mean, yeah, we'll see how we'll see how much money they spend on the subsequent episodes. But this <laughs> yeah. one looks like a million that bucks. Is yeah, several million yeah. bucks. Yeah,
0: there are a lot of episodes uh, that are on the commissary. Uh, let's just well, I did, yeah, stay Yeah, I did here. laugh
2: when they have the the, uh, the they light the beacon and everything is just
0: white because it's like that's way cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's keep it white yeah. as long as possible. Uh, kind of balance uh, yeah, the budget looked, somehow. Mm-hmm. And then, so she they they're setting against this lovely backdrop, and Burnham says, "I'm I'm hopping into." Well, she asks the captain if she can. The captain says, "Yes." She hops into a little uh, suit and bursts off into it in what must be a direct uh, homage to the motion picture, uh, when Spock is going in. Um, I cannot think of it any other way. I refuse to accept any other answers to that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and she she comes across this uh, wacky thing that uh, looks like a, a sculpture that she's enjoying.
2: Yeah, but it turns out and to be she just... a Klingon, and when she lands on it, she is there's a Klingon there to be like, get off my thing, <laughs> and she like accidentally kills him when he's trying to kill her. Something like that happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: she she starts her little jet pack and slams into him and kills him with her batleth. Oh, I did enjoy uh, the computer, identified the Klingon um, iconography, and then identified that he was holding a batleth for her shortly thereafter. Mm. So
1: It took a uh, long time to identify that batleth. Like.
0: <laughs> well, so that you could notice it yeah. when it did happen. I guess.
1: I guess. <laughs> I, uh, one thing I really appreciated as she was looking at the beacon is uh, how – I felt like they did a really good job of writing this as she's talking to herself, writing to show, before we even know about her, writing to show her, like, she's very excited, and this is very cool, and she's making all these observations, and at one point, um she said something about, like, she needed to make, like, actual observations about it, and then she starts going, like, oh, it appears to be a metal alloy, and and stuff, but before we even know um about her... Youth, uh, we we kind of get those hints, and I thought that that was really really nicely done and and well played. Where it's like I'm really really excited. Oh wait, no, I need to actually like pay attention to what's going on. I need to be a little bit more, go a little bit deeper, and I appreciated that.
0: Well, let's talk about uh, Michael Burnham, and uh, I I wasn't sure. If this was an acting choice given her upbringing, as we find out later, or if you were spoiler on her, she was brought up, uh, on Vulcan, uh, by Sarek. She's like Spock's adopted sister, I guess. I don't know. We I don't guess. know. They haven't, they haven't addressed that yet. Um, and so she is an interesting blend of kind of Vulcan, you know, uh, disaffectation, right? She's, uh, but then there are spikes of emotion and then clearly later in, at the end of the episode, um, very non Vulcan things happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I couldn't tell if she was being flat because that was an acting choice or because as happens so often in kind of first season Star Trek, you just need to settle in as an actor and you're just kind of grappling with all of the gobbledygook you need to say. It sure felt to me like she was doing a Vulcan
2: thing. I mean, there's a, yeah. a, a some point she she is Uh, uh, out when they're in the desert she actually like estimates that the storm will come and she like Mm -hmm. does it down to the second and that is the ridiculous precision that only a (laughs) Vulcan would provide and I thought oh I see I see how they're doing this and I felt like I got it's funny too because it's like around humans she seems a little too Vulcan and I think that was on purpose and then when she's talking to Sarek he chides her on being kind of like overly human and she has to give it back to him like (laughs) Mm -hmm. no my my emotions help with the logic right and you get the sense that they have had that argument a hundred times before so i i i I feel like that was a choice that it's an interesting choice right to have your main character be a human who's actually got some kind of like vulcan mannerisms that is a that is a i wouldn't you know whoever had that in the pool you win a hundred dollars i guess that's
1: and I wonder how that's going to play through yeah. the series. Is, is this really going to be like the Spock's dilemma type thing where he's, where it's constantly like, Oh, I'm half human and that's the worst thing ever. Or like, it sounds like she's more, um, has, you know, she's embraced her humanity and is also using the Vulcan kind of logic that she was raised with to strongly, I don't know, inform the way she views the world but i feel like it's very, a very a conscious choice that she's making i just don't want it to be like another half vulcan dilemma type thing that they come up with like you're actually human but you are raised by vulcans and you know you poor thing right
0: and we kind of see this with Worf too right he's Klingon but raised by humans so it's kind of like come on we we don't need to explore this over and over again um But maybe we do. What do I know? Uh, I did like her as a, her, as a character. I should point that out. Um, just because people might think that I didn't, and that would be sad. Uh, But now she's in her spacesuit. she's killed a Klingon, Uh, she is past her time out, she was only supposed to be there for 19 minutes, uh, but she has been there, you know, fighting Klingons takes a while, uh, although the fight takes maybe 10 seconds. Um, And she can't be out there for too long because there's radiation and she might die, Uh, but she is, and then she comes back, spoiler alert, she's saved, Uh, they can't, there's a a moment of exciting techno babble where they explain why they can't use the tractor beam or the transporters or anything and um and then uh we get this i think this is where we get the dream of her which is what's a, a direct homage to star trek 4 right that's where he's spock is in relearning how to l- and he's in the pits right and also also and also jj uh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm and so she's in, I guess this is uh, Vulcan grammar school, where you, you go into a pit and a hollow a dome. <laughs> for, <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, for two tests or something, right? For this.
0: Yes. Yeah, so and it seems like a strange test that they are putting her through, although I think they are trying to break her and make sure yeah. that she can stop using her emotions, mm-hmm. uh, which seems kind of cruel, because she is a human child. But, but Scott, cruelty uh, is a human emotion. <laughs>
2: Is cruelty a, an emotion? I, I would reference that every time that the, in the original series, they mentioned lots of things that were not emotions and claimed they were human emotions. Vulcans
1: do that. That's their trick. Oh, that's how Vulcans. they get you. It's, it's because they don't know what emotions actually no. are because they work so hard to suppress them. They're horrible oh, that's right. racist
2: they... who's like to, to say, say terrible things to humans. <laughs> that's what it is.
0: Vulcans are pretty much the worst I think we can all agree <laughs> yeah <Yep. laughs> uh, but they, they, they put her in a pit and they ask her questions about Klingons, because Klingons this is where we find out that her parents have been killed by Klingons they were one assumed scientists at this Vulcan uh, science post that had been destroyed by the Klingons uh, and so she gets asked a couple of questions a little warm-up about Klingon history how many houses are there 24 uh, is the I think one of the questions is like is the Empire currently in disarray? Which which seems like a strange question, yeah. but she says yes. <laughs> mm. uh, and then it's like, let's play, uh, what was the last Klingon attack? She pauses, and she doesn't answer. Uh, then they're like, well, you didn't answer that question, so let's play some footage. Uh, here's some uh, footage of your parents being killed. Yeah. Uh, where, when did this happen? <laughs> uh, and so she fun. cries, because that's awful. Uh, and then Sarek's there, and he's like, man, your emotions suck. Mm-hmm. This is <laughs> and that's her little dream. This is. Um, th- I watched Journey to
2: Babel today, and mm-hmm. um, because of this, right? Because knowing Sarek was going to be on, and yes, I actually find that they they did their homework because in that episode, Sarek is um, he's kind of a jerk. <laughs> he hasn 't he hasn 't <laughs> yes. spoken' He's a vulcan. he hasn 't spoken to his son in eighteen years because he feels betrayed that Spock chose to go into Starfleet instead of going to the vulcan mm-hmm. science academy um, he hasn 't been home to do. see his mother in four years at that point Spock hasn 't so um so when I see sarek uh, behaving like this and and being kind of prickly and all of that i 'm like yeah that actually that's pretty that 's pretty right on that that I think he would be like that, and that Vulcans, like you said earlier, are the worst like um, um, Amanda in Journey to Babel basically says, "Like, come on, Captain. Uh, it's it's not easy living among Vulcans. Basically, and it's like, yeah, okay, got it.
0: They're like this all, the, all time. the time. They're worse than this. This is they're they're being polite to you. They're very bad." Oh, Vulcans! I will say uh, the the Vulcan education pit scene looked nice. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's a, a throughput throughout this whole episode. Everything looks nice and certainly feels Star Trekky, um, and it hits the right tones for people who know can recognize these kind of you know Star Trek signifiers. That, and so, they don't have human on those
2: human barbers on Vulcan, so she has to get the Vulcan
0: haircut. <laughs> mm-hmm. So whatever, but it's the the most logical haircut. It is. Jason. Bowl, the
2: bowl. <laughs> we have a bowl right here. It would be illogical not to.
0: Cut
1: with the bowl. <laughs> oh, and that's what it's there for.
0: That's right. That's It's a dual purpose bowl. It's, uh, you put uh, your head in it to get your and hair cut And soup. then that's right. That's all you yep. need. One bowl. Congratulations. Uh, and so she has the stream. Then we find out that she's not dead. Hooray. It would have been a shocking twist if the main character <laughs> died within the first half yeah. of the first episode. Surprise! Uh, <laughs> And uh but she's in uh like a, a de radioactive uh chamber, so no decontamination goo from no. uh Thank Enterprise.
1: Goodness. <laughs>
0: They've got like a cat scanner that sucks radiation out instead of pumping it into you. Uh, she wakes up. She realizes uh, she didn't report in because she was unconscious, and so she pops herself out uh, after talking to the the doctor or a doctor. I'm not sure if he gets a name or what he is. Um, well, he's a doctor clearly, um, and, a, and an actor a I recognized, but I don't know. Oh, he could have been a tech. That's a true. A
1: radiation tech.
0: <laughs> a de-radiation, deradiation tech. tech. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she pops out. She's like, I got to go to the bridge. Uh, and she's wearing, which I've, I've heard some people groan a little bit on on Twitter because she was wearing not much, obviously. But uh, it made sense to me because she was in the thing. So and it was just like a moment. And then she quickly was putting on a gown. Uh, so I was OK with it. If she had walked through yeah. the bridge in, in that thing, I would have been like, mm, that's a bit much.
1: Yeah, I agree with that.
0: I like that she I mean, this is her
2: duty, right? She's like, I know things. Mm-hmm uh that i need to share I immediately catch. i'm not gonna lay here in sick bay which again i would having just watched journey to Babel, that that's the same thing that happens right where it's like spock is, is like i have information i have to and mccoy's like no i don't care and he puts him back to sleep it's <laughs> like i can save the ship nope i'm gonna operate on your bro- father now and shut up um and so it's like that and, and it turns out that the um wouldn't you know it? The uh, it's just like uh, at the end of Contact with Jodie Foster. The recording that she made of all the amazing things she <sighs> saw has been damaged, and they don't have any data. So she gets to explain that it's Klingon and all these things, and it's good. And then she's then she's I like how how um, how uh, Michelle Yeoh handles that because she's she's like um, tell us what you know. Good to know. Now get back to sick because you shouldn't die. Mm-hmm. It's like she's like mm-hmm. good captaining, right? Just. Uh, to give me your information and now go not die i like that mm-hmm.
0: yes i think i feel like uh michelle Yeoh's captain is fantastic i say yeah, thumbs I up agree. to that captain i
2: hope nothing bad uh, she, happens to her <laughs> <ship>.
0: <laughs> i hope her ship is fine uh. <laughs> uh i i have a feeling she's not gonna make it out alive but maybe she will i don't know i i hope she does Fingers i don't know crossed. Um, and so yeah that she's there be klingons captain uh, is is this when they uh they they target the probe into a
1: pirate. Yeah this is
0: the, yeah they they do the they do the just all, it's not a probe. all we
2: need she says all you need to do is target it you don't need to fire just target it and see what happens cuz she has this feeling that this is an important ceremonial object and it totally works and makes them notice Um also I wanted to mention she says I saw a klingon he was warrior cast, which I thought was an interesting yeah. bit of detail uh, right Oh yes yeah. so basically the klingons are Bari. Now that was out there for my Babylon Five people. The uh, they got casts, oh, and if like, you I have, if you is. open your gun ports, it's a question about if that's a sign of uh aggression or not. With Klingons, oh, it's always well, a sign of aggression. It's always aggression. Um, yes, that's all they understand. It's their it's, it's their language. It's their it's their one emotion.
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> <It's>, right. <laughs> violence.
2: Violence <laughs> <laughs> is such a Klingon emotion. <laughs>
0: Uh and yep, they scan it and uh or they lock their phasers onto it or, or they lock something onto it. I don't know. Like uh, and out uh, slowly decloaking very dramatically. The the decloaking uh of the new Klingon vessels uh is set to extra dramatic, I uh-huh. think. Uh it slowly <laughs> unveils itself to form something that you know, so I am one of these Star Trek nerds that uh is big into the ships. And so the the Klingon ships always have a very similar uh kind of uh, line to them mm-hmm. and these new fancy klingon ships uh have carry through the same line but they kind of add on a lot of these are like baroque klingons right. they've got a lot of extra chrome on them mm. um, and, coffins. and coffins and coffins lots of coffins
1: mm-hmm. as you do
0: <laughs> you know you shoot a coffin out and then it goes onto your coffin armor for some reason <laughs> and
1: protects, i don't know protects the ship <laughs>
0: I don't know. What, but anyway, so I actually giant. really
1: like that. It's a pretty it feels very cling on me. Like even after you're dead, you're still protecting the ship. Like <laughs> yeah. just so yeah, you no. know.
0: I like. I think it's a very effective thing. And, and when you think about it, you see this giant ship cloak, and then you realize not only is this a giant Klingon ship that we we haven't talked to the Klingons in over a hundred years, it is a ship that is covered in coffins, which is super that's just super weird, creepy. Although in a battle, that's got to be tough, right? Because they're like,
2: "Sir, we got hit to to the bow. Oh, damage report. Well, we're okay, but we lost Wharf. Warp's oh. ashes, Warp's ashes were spilled. Well, it's a good day to have your ashes, your ashes in scattered so in space or something. Yes, he
0: died again, like he did the first time in battle. You know, double it's good, it's double Hooray. good, double good for Klingon. It's a good, yeah, Klingon. He'll, he'll really, he'll he'll really meet K- Kalas now yeah. in Stobal. He gets so. pudding now in in, in <laughs> <laughs> uh, And this is they try to hail the Klingon ship. The Klingon ship is like. Pff, we're not answering your hails. Uh, it is unclear what the Klingons are waiting for, but they're waiting for something.
2: Well, they lit, the, and this is right, and th- this is we is get this the scene seem, where they're like, "We're going to light the beacon," yeah. and there's the and there's the guy who's like the white Klingon. Um, yeah, who, we need the torchbearer. Yeah, and he's like, "I have no house or anything, but I'm a believer and sticks his hand in the flame and all that." And he's like, "Oh, you remind me of me." <laughs> <laughs> I, I always used to stick play my the hand fire in all places. the time,
0: and his name is vok I think for some reason I remember that guy's name. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see him ever again, but he is the torchbearer, uh, after the other guy who was the, so the, the Klingon that gets killed by, uh, uh, Michael Burnham is the original torchbearer. Uh, his brother was supposed to be the next torchbearer, but he seems less than enthusiastic about being the torchbearer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's, he's kind of like, uh, do we really think that the ships are going to come because of fable? And, uh, the, 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 Klingon dude whose name I should know but I don't. It's like uh, you lack faith. Takufma, there you go. He's like, we oh, need faith. And then this other guy, the the albino Klingon, who doesn't have a name or doesn't have a house, he doesn't have a name, says I'll do it uh, because I'm cool like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Takufma says go for it, dude. Uh, now, we don't actually see what he does, but I assume he must go to the probe and turn on a giant flashlight or something. Uh-huh, I don't know.
2: That's right. And so there's a big like, there's li- light, bright, bright light that bla- blows out all the sensors and is sending like a radio pulse or something. Um, and a subspace wave. Yeah. There's a whole there's a whole crazy thing like that. And so now, and this is, yeah, so
0: now they're in it. I, I have, I, they're in it. And I have trouble with this part, though, because now that it's, stuff is happening. Michael uh, says, "I need to go to my quarters." Yeah, I gotta. And everyone's like, it's
2: relevant." (laughs) I'm just gonna leave. But I have to go to call. I gotta call Dad.
0: Call she Sarek. calls her her dad. She long distance. The computer's like, uh, "Are you authorized to make long distance <laughs> phone calls?" And she says, "I totally have the code." And they're like, "Okay." And uh, one assumes Sarek is just hanging around waiting for a phone he, call because he, really, he appears immediately.
2: Really fast. Yeah, <laughs> yep. that's right.
0: And full. Robes <laughs> well, I guess they have too. caller ID right and so he's like oh my my human daughter's calling so i should pick this one up it seemed weird Uh, that
1: it's just a mini hologram that she (laughs) i kind
2: of think it would have made more sense if she had like looked at the captain and said i i I think i might be able to get some information here can i use your ready room or something like that and kept it above board but instead she's like i gotta go um i'll be back and it seems very it does seem kind of weird although his wisdom is great right he has very specific information that's useful Mm -hmm. in terms of uh, how the Vulcans dealt with the Klingons and his uh, his perspective about. I mean, he also calls it. He says perhaps they're unifying their culture. This is where he says it by provoking a war. Yeah. He he has a. It, I mean, he is he is very wise. He has a good read on what is happening now. And
0: it, it was a smart call to make. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it wasn't, but it just struck me as odd. I also thought it was weird that they spend the first like minute or so just kind of talking about her human emotions and logic. You would have yeah. thought she might have said,
2: uh, we need to speed it's this a up. They're urgent. Klingons." <laughs>
0: Can we have the normal argument that we've had hundreds of times before later? (laughs) Yeah. But she doesn't. Nope. Uh, And so, yeah, he's like, totally, uh, last time, you know, she's like, tell me how you guys kept good relations with the Klingons. And he says, well, I'll tell you, but it may not work for you because Vulcans are very special, unique flowers, and humans are idiots, so (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it may not work out. Present company included, actually. (laughs) (laughs) So mean, so mean. Oh sorry. Oh. Uh and then she runs back to the ship and she, uh, back to the bridge and she's like we totally have to fire um and the captain says WTF. Yeah, we don't Starfleet does not fire first. We don't do that. <laughs> That's not what we do. And she says you have to you know basically Klingons it's like when when you're in I assume, this is what, you know, common knowledge, uh, word on the street, is when you go to prison, uh, you need to, when you're in the prison yard, you need to find the big sky, and then you just punch him in the face. And then mm-hmm. you have, you've displayed your, your dominance, and people will leave you alone after that. I've never been to prison, but I, I don't know if that's true we'll or not. try that when you uh, go. Well, I, when I go, I'll try that. So when you meet kleons for the first time, uh, and then every subsequent time, until they talk to you, apparently you just blow them up. <laughs> Uh, and that's that's what the Vulcans did, uh, because the first time the Vulcans interacted with Klingons, they got destroyed. Every subsequent time, the Vulcans shot first, and then eventually, I guess, the Klingons were like, eh, you seem like our kind of people. Let's uh, have a little det- detente. Um, Captain uh, Georgiou, not so on board with this idea of just shooting uh, while the Klingons are just hanging out uh, and not doing anything provocative. And so she... Is, uh, refuses. And, and I do like, there's a lot of, what we don't get a lot of in Star Trek is, you know, talk about the chain of command and, uh, uh, you know, normal, you know, officers disagreeing with each other on the bridge. Um, and, and there's a lot of that in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought it was appropriate and well done. And, uh, she's like, she disagrees with the captain and the captain's like, uh, let's go to my ready room and talk about this. And this is the kind of, a moment I did not see coming. <laughs> yeah, agreed. I agree. I mean, up, the lead up to it is pretty great. Like she, you know, because she's contra-
2: contradicting her on the bridge, which you're not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And she ca- she says, "Get, let's go. It, ready room now. And they go back there and she says, how dare you contradict my order? Right. Like this is this is beyond mm-hmm. the line of what you should be doing. And obviously they've been working together a long time. So it's a big deal. And... um and she does she gives her a little speech that I think is really good she's like you know battle's not a simulation it's screams and funerals like it's really bad how dare you Mm -hmm. uh, try to leap us headlong into what is going to be a horrible battle Um, even though you know we know why she's got this motivation to do it and then when it's clear Burnham's not going to get her way she just uh, she agrees with the captain she says of course captain yep and then like
0: blammo gives
2: her a Vulcan neck pinch (laughs) Mm-hmm. Out of nowhere.
0: And you're like, WTF, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh It's shocking. And of course, you know, this is all everyone thinks, well, you know, Burnham, you you have a thing about Klingons because they killed your parents. So maybe you aren't thinking straight. Plus, you were just irradiated. So you might not be thinking yeah. straight. Uh She says, no, I'm thinking straight. And I knock you out. And so she knocks her out, comes back into the bridge, starts telling people to load weapons and lock on things. And Saru is like, um... Are you sure? Yeah, I don't... <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, I mean, it's more than just are you sure. I th- I feel like old, Star- it's like old Star Trek, first off, would never have this happen, right? Classic Star Trek, no. you'd never have a a crew member in Starfleet so pushed to the limit that they're basically going to knock out the captain in order to do an order, right? That's that's wild. But on top of that, I think in a plot line where something like this was happening, you'd have somebody on the bridge who'd be like, are you sure we should do this? Oh, well, you know, you're you're in charge right now. So yes, and Saru will not have it. He's like, I don't think yeah. this is legit. I Did she tell you to mm-hmm. do this? Because this sounds really wrong. And at one point he's just like, this is mutiny. You, you are not following her instructions what are you doing and i like that that mm-hmm. that he um he's properly read it and is not gonna you know he's he's trying to stop her from doing what she's trying to do which is you know then there's one other way you could stop her which is the captain emerges from the ready room yes. awake with a with a
0: phaser <laughs> and says yes stand down <laughs> yeah belay that order and this is like uh, one shocking moment, like a Starfleet officer knocking out another, her captain, is shocking. And then the captain with a phaser pointed at another Starfleet officer on the bridge. It's crazy pants. Uh, this is not your daddy's Star Trek. Uh, unless your daddy was born just now and mm-hmm. only watches this episode, and then it is in fact your your daddy's Star Trek.
2: I guess. So um, what I mean, this is going to be controversial, right? This is the <laughs> this is the thing that I think a lot of people are going to point to and be like, "No, it's not Star Trek." There, no, you would never do something like that. There's Conflict. Uh, so, what do you yeah. you know, What did you think about about this? Because it is shocking.
1: I I like it, and I like that they set up the whole. You know them them kind of squabbling, you know, because <laughs> they did they squabbled throughout the episode. But as as something where it was like they they're empowered to do it. They're empowered to to talk to each other and question each other and make each other better. I think and question one another. And I like that they had that setup so at the end they could be very unStar Trekky and be like, <laughs> no, wait, wait, no, this is this is not the this is not what we do. This is you know, you're, you're not doing this right. Because how many episodes of Star Trek do we have where someone is, like, doing bizarro things and nobody calls them on it? They're just like, oh, okay. And it's not true to life, you know, this, this conflict-free future that... You know, Gene Roddenberry envisioned in the sixties. That's not how it works. It's not how it works today. It's not how it's going to work in 250 years. And I, I appreciate that they have that in there. And it's like, it's actual human moments. And, um, I think it's also setting us up for like the lengths that Michael will go through, I think, to, uh, be a good captain, hopefully
0: yeah i agree and i think that the the episode you know they didn't have a lot of time to set up the relationship between burnham and georgie right because they there's this all this history and they just have whatever an hour or 50 minutes however long this episode was uh even less than that though because they need to set it all up so that it can pay off at this very end of the episode uh which i think they did brilliantly uh and i think that having some conflict between crew members is a good thing because it is you know what would happen Mm -hmm. people people think they have the right answer this is like you know we haven't seen klingons in a 100 years the klingons uh, are known to be aggressors uh this is logical we should hit them first before they hit us that's the only way they would you know and then you have the other side of the kind of the starfleet this is not how starfleet works we don't just go off shoot people because uh they might shoot us we need to have some provoc we need we need reasons to do these things um So I thought it was good. I think it will annoy some some long-standing Star Trek fans. Um, But I think that's that's okay. They can be annoyed because they're going to be annoyed by everything anyway.
2: I I agree. I also think that, or at least I suspect that what we're seeing here is um one i think this is going to be an important point in terms of like the story arc and the character arc for michael burnham that this happened Mm -hmm. and that whatever Mm -hmm. the ramifications of this meeting with the klingons is going to be that sends her on her path in this show so i think that it's gonna it is meant to be a, a an out of Usual <laughs> shocking moment, I also would say that I think they did a very good job of leading up to it in the sense that look she's been irradiated and concussed she's got information <laughs> that nobody yeah. else has had um, having, talked mm-hmm. to, uh, having talked to having talked to she feels strongly that they are going to die if they don't do something unusual which is why she's suggesting this unusual course of action and on top of all that her parents were killed in a a surprise Klingon attack so this is like as extreme a situation as she could possibly be put in physically and psychologically which is good because if this was just a simple disagreement having you physically assault your captain of seven years would not make any sense but I think that in the run up to this we get to see her escalate to the point where she she reaches this breaking point and does something probably stupid and yet also who knows maybe the thing that could have saved them I think given what happens in the last shot where Mm -hmm. there. are Mm are a bazillion klingon ships that appear that it would (laughs) not have made any difference but you know she was you know my point is that that this is not run-of-the-mill uh behavior on the bridge the shenzhou this is this is a burnham pushed to the extreme by what just happened
1: Yes.
0: And we, you know, in the, in the beginning of the show, it's, we fight, you know, they, she's been serving with, uh, Georgiou for seven years. And Georgiou's like, it's time for you to be a captain. So clearly seven years of very good service. Uh, and this is a, a, an unusual situation in the extreme. Uh, and of course she gets sent to the brig because she should be because she was totally attempting mutiny. Uh, although. As, as Jason said, the last uh, scene of, of the show, which I was watching on broadcast, so I didn't actually know it was the last scene because it seemed like it shouldn't be the last scene, but uh, <laughs> is, uh, you know, they're like Captain, we're sensing warp signatures and the captain's like, oh great uh, Starfleet's the, here, the, yay! Uh, Starfleet's here the Admiral promised us all the ship would come this is great, uh, turns out they're all Klingon warp signatures and we see a whole lot of Klingon ships uh, warp in and things do not look good for the ship that I cannot properly pronounce its name, so I'm not going to try all again. Right. But uh. so the- maybe it's
1: all been a foil, and this really is a Klingon, like all about the Klingons, <laughs> and like this is this is their defeat, yeah. and we see no more of Starfleet throughout the whole thing, except for when the Klingons is- come attack.
2: Star Trek game of Klingons, small, ca- small mm-hmm. caps
0: Klingons. Yep.
1: I really hope they change that.
0: I do as well. And then that's it. That's the the episode ends.
1: Cliffhanger. If
2: only there were a second episode to watch. I I have to say, I do, you know, have to admire the moxie of uh, CBS to air only one episode and to air it having it end in a big cliffhanger and to make the resolution of the cliffhanger immediately available on streaming. It, as mm-hmm. a way to induce, further induce people to pay for <laughs> CBS All Access. I think that's pretty funny. Like just from a I've, marketing perspective.
1: Yep,
0: it's pretty brilliant if you ask me. Um, and I will say, so I, I signed up for CBS All Access many, many months ago because uh, they. I was a big fan of The Good Wife, and they had a an uh, a digital only. Uh, I was going to say knockoff, but spinoff, that's yes. what we call it, uh, <laughs> called The Close. Good Fight, uh, which was very good, uh, but it was, um, CBS did not lavish as much money or attention on uh, the the Good Fight as they did on uh, Star Trek Discovery for a good reason. Of course, Star Trek being kind of the jewel in CBS's franchise uh, crown um well maybe next to the big bang theory which causes me pain to say but mm. i feel like the big bang theory makes a lot of money for cbs so yes. um and that's why young sheldon is on broadcast one assumes and star trek discovery is not um, i guess i don't know i don't know how it works less moon is smarter than me um but i will say so that was a really great show so i signed up for cbs all access uh knowing I probably wouldn't have signed up for it, but I knew then that Star Trek was coming to CBS All Access. So I signed up many months ahead of time to beat the rush. I guess it doesn't make any sense, but <laughs> that's what I did.
1: So you can um, have bragging rights. That's right. I was yeah. I'm signed, super cool, man. Before school, yeah.
0: <laughs> I was on uh, CBS Access All Access before you even knew it was a thing. Yeah. Um, I do think also it's an interesting part because, you know, Netflix... They didn't pull a Netflix on here, which is Netflix has all these lovely series that they spent lots of money on, and they didn't just dump all the episodes all at once so you can binge it. And I guess that makes sense for Netflix. Uh, CBS is like, uh, we will dole them out over the course of two months right. uh, or how, how I think there are what 10 episodes 10, 13, 12 15 episodes, episodes for the season 15. and
2: they're going to do it in two blocks so it'll be like 7 or 8 this time and then 7 or 8 the next time um, or like so in the, I think they're just taking a little short break for the uh, for, for the holidays so I think they'll be holidays. back in like January mm. or February with the second half of the season but they're doling them out a week at a time through sometime in November and then we should also say in Canada it's actually on broadcast TV oh it's on and, uh, mm-hmm. and then everywhere else it's Netflix so everybody else We'll Netflix. On
0: Netflix. So hi everybody else. But it's yes, welcome to Star Trek Discovery. Uh, and so that's the end of the episode. We don't. I I, I need to see the next episode, but you can if you sign up for CBS All Access, or or um, yeah,
2: or if you're in the rest of the world, if you get to see it just you as you saw this one, but not to Netflix, not in the U.S. Yeah. Where <laughs> there was this little. They 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 were kind enough to put their their first episode of their <laughs> streaming show on broadcast just <laughs> because. Just, just to to wet your your appetites. I would imagine and, a lot and, of people are going to be outraged by getting to the cliffhanger and being like, "What? It's not on CBS next <laughs> yeah. week."
0: A lot of people are going to be mad. I think so, but then they'll call up CBS and CBS will say, uh, "Start a two week trial, free trial of CBSLX." Yeah, probably. And it'll it'll solve all their problems. All right. um I Can guess. we be done so I can go well, watch episode two? <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to thank both of you for I'm joining excited. me, uh, Alien Zips, Thank you for joining me.
1: I am so glad to talk about the first Star Trek premiere I remember watching uh, with both of you. Uh, thank you. Oh, well, thank you.
0: The pleasure was all mine. Uh, Jason Snell, as always, thank you for discussing Star Trek.
2: Yes, with me. thank you, Scott. This was a lot of fun. I'm very. I I was just very excited. It's been a long time. It's been a long road getting from no no
0: stop no stop, no. stop. and and a vulcan goodbye to all
2: <laughs> the old vulcan goodbye <laughs> <laughs>